Let us pray together. Father God, we thank you. Thank you that because you are love, you have loved us. Indeed, God is love. And we are eternally grateful to you because deep down inside each one of us, we know that we are so unlovable. In fact, we are enemies. And while we were yet enemies, you sent Christ to die for us. So Lord, we are indebted to you. And we pray now as your spirit speaks to us in our hearts that we will learn to submit and become more and more Christ-like. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we continue with our series on uh, God is Love. Starting today, First uh, John chapter 2, uh, verse 3 to verse 17 on God's command to walk in the new commandment. Um, I'm not one who likes commands. <laughs> in fact, I am a rebel. <laughs> uh, and I think most of us do not like to be commanded, right? <laughs> because we like to make our own decisions. And um, in fact, the only one that can command us is God. Because our peers cannot command us. And God is not our peer. God is supreme. And therefore, over the years, I've learned how to submit myself to the commands of God. At first, I was resistant. I was re very rebellious. And I struggled with submitting myself. But along the way in life experience through the Christian life, I, realized, I soon realized that as I submit to God's command, as I obey Him, you know what happens? He blesses me. I can sleep better. I have peace in my heart. Therefore, today, as you hear God's command, do not harden your heart. Alright? If you refer to the outline, I've divided today's passage into three parts. Very simple because I'm a simple man. First part, the command to obey God. Second point is the command to love one another. And thirdly, the command not to love the world. So very simple. The command to love God, or the command to obey God, the command to love one another, and the command not to love the world. A businessman, well known for his ruthlessness, once announced to American writer, the famous American writer Mark Twain, he says this to Mark Twain, Before I die, I mean to make a trip, a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I will go up Mount Sinai and I will read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top of my voice. Mark Twain wisely replied this, I have a better idea. You should stay in Boston and keep them. Walking in the New Commandment we must first understand the command to obey God. Not just to know, but to obey. Verse 3 of 1 John chapter 2 reads like this. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, 
Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Do I truly know God? How do I truly know that I truly know God? The passage here tells us, you know daily by your own experience and actions whether you, you know God or otherwise. We are to keep His command. We keep God's command by being a doer of the word, not a knower only. <laughs> so we do not just know God's word, but we do God's word. We do not just keep the Bible in our hands. I think gone are, gone are those days where we carry big Bible to church, right? As though the bigger the, our Bible, the more spiritual we are. So we oftentimes see people carry big, big Bible. The young ones will carry small, small Bible because they are able to read better. The big ones are for the older ones. We do not just keep our Bibles in our phones, on our iPads, or in our heads, for that matter. We do not just memorize Scripture and tell people how much and show people how much Scriptures we know. But we keep the Word of God in our hearts and we show it with our lives. We obey God's Word. We truly know God and understand God when we become more deeply acquainted with Him if we habitually keep His command. As you keep God's command, you know God better. You experience Him. You experience what it means to live a life of submission, a life of obedience, and you experience a life of blessing. If you are keeping God's commands, you know God. What I mean here is the desire and effort to keep God's commands. Because if we are, if we are expecting ourselves to keep all of God's command, it is not possible. We do not want to kid ourselves, isn't it? Whether you are able to obey perfectly every command is not the point. The point is that when we know God, when we know God's teachings, our decisions are focused on God's precepts and we obey God in our actions. Whoever says, I know God, but does not habitually keep God's commands is a liar. That is what the Bible says. You are not congruent. You say one thing, yet you do another thing. That is not congruent. And when we are not congruent, that is when we experience imbalance in us. But whoever habitually keeps God's words and obeys God's precepts and treasures God's message in its entirety, in that person, the love of God has truly been perfected. In that person, we see God's love being completed and reach maturity. By this, we know for sure that we are in God. How do you know whether a person is spiritually matured or not? Not by the number of memory verses the person knows. Not by whether the person uh, is able to lead a small group. Not by whether the person is a church leader. You know a person is spiritually matured when you see the person loving others. 
You see the person putting God's word into practice. That is how you discern a spiritually matured person. Whoever says he lives in Christ, whoever says he or she has accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Saviour, ought to have this moral obligation to walk and conduct oneself just as Christ. If you are a Christian, you are a little Christ. You must be Christ-like and you must grow more and more Christ-like. How do you know that you know God? By obeying and keeping His commandments. You trust and you obey His commands, whether it makes sense to you or otherwise. My encouragement is this. The Bible sometimes is not as straightforward and easy to understand. But you know enough to put into practice. Sometimes human beings are like that. You know, we want to read the whole Bible. We want to know everything, right? Before I obey. No need. When come to Christian walk, when you read the Ten Commandments, obey it straight away. When you come to a passage, obey it, practice it straight away. It is as simple as that. Don't wait till you make sense of the whole Bible. Obey God and keep His commandments as He reveals it to you. We must become more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. A father and son arrived at a small western town in the USA, looking for an uncle, a long-lost uncle whom they have never seen. Suddenly, the father pointed across the town hall, town square, and to a man who was walking away from them. And the father exclaimed, That is my uncle. His son asked, Dad, how do you know when you have not seen him before? The father answered like this, Son, I know him because he walks exactly like my father. If we obey God, the world should know us by our walk. What is God's command? God's command is to obey His commandment. Secondly, second point, the command to love one another. Verse 7, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one. As I preach, I also feel the same way. I'm not preaching to you a new sermon. It's an old one, which you have heard since the beginning. This old command is the message that you have heard. Yet, I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. The new command, the command to love one another, is not entirely a new commandment. A Bible commentary uh, says this, The commandment of love is both old and new. Oh, because John's readers have had it from the beginning of their Christian experience. New because in the unfolding of Christian experience, it has developed new power, new meaning, new obligation, and closer correspondence with the facts of Christ's life, with the crowning mystery of His passion, and with the facts of the Christian life. You see, John does not speak of a new commandment as related to time. It is not new in point of time. It is not something that they have never known before, they have not heard before. 
It is all because it comes from the Old Testament. The Lord Jesus, when He came, when uh, He was on earth, in John chapter 13, He says the same thing, right? A new commandment I give unto you. There's a new emphasis, a new quality of meaning. It is new because Jesus, because of Jesus. Jesus lived it and Jesus taught it while He was on earth. His disciples lived it and His disciples taught it while they were on earth. And we are to live it and we are to teach it while we are on earth. As we live out love, the darkness in our heart is slowly passing away. Before you became a Christian, or rather I cannot say you, before I became a Christian, my heart was dark, real dark. But when I became a Christian, slowly that darkness passes away as the true light shines into my heart. As I read the Word of God, as I meditate, as I put those commands into practice in my life, those darkness slowly passes away and the true light shines brighter and brighter. Moral darkness and insensitivity to divine light is passing away. Examine your own heart. You may not be perfectly void of darkness. There's still a tinge of uh, dark, dark, darkness in my, some corners of my heart. You may not be perfectly void of darkness, but the divine light is slowly but surely shining through. It is not yet accomplished. We are not completely void of darkness, but we are work in progress. It is in the progress of shining through. As the Holy Spirit uses God's Word to shine into your dark heart, surrender your sins and darkness to God and allow God, allow the light of God to overcome it in your lives. The true light is already shining in your life. The true light is already shining in your life. And through your life, God's Word is like a torch shining in darkness. But one day, it will be daybreak. We sang the song, Oh Glorious Day, right? One day, it will be daybreak. There will be no more darkness. But since we are living in the already, but not yet, we are living in the in-between, we need to surrender and obey the new commandment to love one another. Anyone who claims to be in the light, verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. We ask ourselves this question, am I walking in the light or am I walking in darkness? Am I living in the light or am I living in darkness? The one who says he's in the light, in constant fellowship with Christ, and yet habitually hates or works against his brother or sister in Christ, is still in darkness. Anyone who loves and 
who loves and unselfishly seeks the best for his brother and sister, lives in the light. If we are loving our brother and sister, then there's nothing that is stumbling or offensive. But if we hate our brother and sister, it hurts the cause of Christ and leads others to sin when they hate you in return instead of loving you. Having been a Christian for close to 40 years, it's sad for me to share with you this observation. There are many Christians who do not love their brother and sister. True? Yes, we are work in progress. But we must love our brothers and sisters. So there are two things here. Two aspects to it. We must love. At the same time, we must be lovable. <laughs> right? We must be lovable. We should not You know what I mean, right? When we are people find it very difficult to love us. I'm not saying this just because I'm a pastor. I'm saying this as a Christian. All of us, have people whom we find easier to love. Some people we find more difficult to love. Okay? The reasons, I leave it to you. You know your reasons why you find others easier to love than others. But all of us are the same. Friends, let us be loving and let us be lovable. Okay? The one who habitually hates or works against his brother or sister in Christ is in spiritual darkness and is walking in darkness and does not know where he or she is going because the darkness has blinded that person's eyes. Well, when it comes to theological discussion, sometimes you see that happen. Right? Because we have strong convictions. Right? We, after a while, argue, argue, quarrel, quarrel, you end up hating one another. And whatever the other person says, huh, he becomes your opponent. He say one, you must say two. He say right, you must say left. And then it goes on. And then at the end of the day, you sit down, you reflect. Nah. Why, what are you quarrelling all about? Is it worth it? Does it make sense? Is, is, is your argument making sense? And oftentimes, it doesn't make sense because we are walking in darkness. We are just opposing for opposing sake. We just want to push our point. We just want to show others that, hey, I'm not a pushover. I know QBC, many years ago, gone through those dark ages too, right? You see that happening. You see other churches, it's happening. But we thank God. We thank God that we have grown more loving. It is such a joy now to serve in QBC. Huh? It is, as a pastor, there's so much joy in the pastoral team. Uh, I, I do not know whether just now you realise Pastor Sheila, Pastor Sheila is very lovable one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, the, the leaders works well with the pastors. Within the senior pastor office, we joke. Oftentimes, we, in our discussion, we laugh so much that other pastors want to join us. Uh, what are you all laughing about? Uh, what are you, why are you all so happy? But we are talking about serious business. We are making serious decisions. Yeah, but at the same time, we enjoy serving with one another. Why? Because we love one another. 
We try to be lovable to one another. We don't try to be difficult people. When we are overtaken with hate for our brother or sister, we become blinded by it and we begin opposing and working against our brothers and sisters. That is how one ends up walking in spiritual darkness. Don't hate your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Love them. I know it is not easy, but at least we must try. Huh? Try. Put in some effort. The least you can do, huh? pray for them. <laughs> the least and the most, actually, that you can do is pray for them. You cannot talk to them, it is fine. Don't go and whack them, okay? <laughs> pray for them. Okay, pray for them. Put in some effort. If there's something that you should not love, what is it? It is the world. Verse 15. We do not love, do not love the world. This is a command. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. And verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires passes away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Hopefully, the darkness in our hearts passing away. But the darkness of this world is not passing away. The darkness of this world is actually growing darker and darker. In the blink of an eye, I have lived more than 50 years. I compare the world in my childhood. I compare the world in my teenage years. I compare the world in my younger years, 20 years ago. There's so much difference. The world today is so much darker. Last time, we do not, or we seldom hear about scamming. Scamming is a new word. <laughs> 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe 20 years ago have, lah, from South Africa, those Nigerian and all that. But 40, 50 years ago, no such thing as scamming. One. In the kampong, people don't close their door. One, no? Their doors are always open. One. You can walk into your neighbor's house accidentally. One. And then they will serve you tea and coffee. That was what it was like 40 years ago. Today, you not only close the door, you know, you lock. Nah. Put camera. Right? That is what we... The world is getting darker. So don't believe the lie that the world will get better. The, the joke is the save the earth movement, right? Save the earth movement. I was telling my wife, God is in the business of destroying this earth. Who am I to save the earth? The earth is not going to get better. You don't use straw, you don't on air con, you suffer. The world is not going to get better. Weather is going to get hotter. The ice caps are still going to melt. People are still eating sharks. The, the world is not going to get better. The world is getting darker and darker. Yes, you can say that, yeah, we stop. Huh? We, 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 we try to... We try to to, to stop the darkness uh, from getting so dark so soon. Think of our next generations and so on. This is the world that God has created. Yes, creation care. 
we do our part. But I tell you, the world is not getting brighter, it's getting darker. And the pressure that is on the believer will be relentless. When you are light and there is darkness, there is a war that is going on. Because darkness and light cannot coexist. As you know God and as His light shines increasingly brighter in your heart, you will experience the contrast, you will experience the tension between the light of the world and the darkness of the world. Ask yourself this question. Is it easier for you to be in the marketplace as a Christian? Difficult, right? Why? Because that is the dark world. Is it easier for you to be a Christian in church? Why? Because this is the light. <laughs> you will suffer for your faith, but God will be with you. Shine. You will be tempted to conform, but instead of conforming, transform the world. Remember our retreat speaker? He reminded us that we are not thermometers. We do not adapt and measure, but we are thermostats. We change the temperature. We don't conform to the world. We transform it. We shine for Jesus in this dark world. That is the heart of God. You want to make a difference? Shine for Jesus. Love others in your workplace. Love others in the marketplace. Love others. Love your competitors. Love your boss. Love your subordinates. That you will make a difference. Do not love the world of sin, nor the things that are in the world that opposes God and His word. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the last and sensual craving of the flesh, the last and longing of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, all this comes from the world. Right from Genesis, last of the flesh, last of the eyes, pride of life was there. I take the forbidden fruit, it's good for me. The forbidden fruit looks good. It's good for me. It will make me smart and be like God. It's good for me. It's about all about I, me, myself. Same thing today. In fact, when Jesus was tempted after he fasted for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. Remember? Same temptation. Last of the flesh, last of the eyes, and the pride of life. For us, the same temptation. Last of the flesh, last of the eyes, pride of life. We want to have healthy bodies. We want to live forever. Right? That condo, that bungalow, that car looks good. I want to have that last of the eyes. Pride of life. People look at you, lo, say you're very clever. Friends, these things are not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away. The world is passing away. 
One day, all these things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, one day it will be passed away. And as the world grows darker, God will one day destroy it with fire. It's the same pattern. God allows sin to grow in the world. Just like in the days of Noah, He allows sin to grow to such a point He cannot take it anymore. And then He sent the flood. Remember? He only saved Noah and his family. And then He gave a bow, the rainbow. We often like to take photos of the rainbow, right? What does that rainbow remind us of? That He will not destroy the earth with water again. But what will he destroy the earth with? Not water. But he will still destroy the earth. Now as we see the world getting darker and darker, sin growing more and more, one day God will destroy the earth with fire. And when it is destroyed, the last, the shameful pursuits, the ungodly longings, all this will pass away with it. But the one who does the will of God will live forever. The one who loves his brother and sister and not love the world lives forever. There are many Christians who love the world but do not love one another. There are many Christians who love things but not people. I hope you are not one of them. But instead, we should love one another. We should not love the world. We should love people and not the things of the world. God brought to mind Gary Chapman, the five love languages. Do you know your primary love language? I think for us, we should know our primary love language. If you do not know, go and read that book, The Five Love Languages. We use it during our pre-marriage counselling because we find that uh, for the partners, uh, the spouse, spouses to be, it is very helpful. If not, we will love one another, uh, not with our love languages and then not very effective. Okay, so it is most effective if you love one another with your love with the other person's love language, not with your own love language. Okay? So there are two different aspects to this. Everybody has their primary love language. When you look at your brother or sister, do you know that person's love language? If that person's love language is gift, huh, don't just keep talking about gift. Huh? Words of affirmation is one of those love languages. right? So if that person's love language is gift, Buy a gift. Don't just talk about the gift. That person will be very angry. Hey, one day I buy you a diamond ring. One day, but one day never came. Just keep talking. You, know? you are so good. One day I buy you. Okay? You get the point. The point is this. Know the other person's love language and love the other person on their term. Oftentimes when we think about loving one another, we love other people on our term, you know. Why are you so stupid one? I buy gift for you, don't take. But that person's love language is not gift. Why not appreciate it? Because this is your love language. It is your term. When we talk about loving one another, 
consider the terms of the other person. Don't waste your time, your effort, your breath. It's the same thing. When you want to encourage Pastor Leonard, you must know my love language. If not, then I don't feel loved. Then you have wasted whatever you have poured out on me. Understand? <laughs> so that is how it is. What I have here is a wheel. It's a bicycle wheel that I'm not using. That's why I'm putting on weight. This wheel is held together by spokes. These are spokes. If not, it is just two parts, right? The, the, the hub and the wheel. The spokes is very important. There are numerous spokes. Now think with me like this. The rim and the rubber is the world around us. The spokes is the church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you and me, everybody who is baptised and um, by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The centre is the heart because God is the centre of it all. Everything revolves around God. Now as you come nearer to the heart, the spokes are closer to one another, right? As you move further away from God, you are nearer to the world, the spokes are further apart from one another. We are all held by God's command. Held by God. As you go further away from the hub and closer to the world, the spokes are spaced out and distance themselves from one another. In this illustration, what does it tell us? It tells us that as we brothers and sisters in Christ draw nearer to God, we draw closer to one another. As a pastor, sometimes I hear people tell me, Pastor, my walk with God is solid. I am very close to God. But I find it very difficult to love such and such a person. It is impossible. If you are close to God, you will naturally be close to your brother and sister. You will automatically love them. If you are far from God, you will be far from one another. Only when all the spokes come together, and obey God's commands together, work in unison with God together, and among with one another. Only then can we reflect the love of God to the world around us. Otherwise, the pressures of the world, the darkness of the world, will break the spoke. And when a spoke is broken, one by one, the other spokes will also break. And then this whole wheel is useless and can be thrown away. I love because it is a commandment of God. A commandment that I must obey. The commandment is to love one another and the commandment is not to love the world. Obedience of God's command is an expression of our love of God. We have experienced God's love and we in turn are commanded to love one another. The true mark of understanding God's love is the love for others. If you really understand God's love, you will love others. And your love will be in action. As we mature in our love for God and our love for others, we will also experience victory over sin. We will love the world less. So start loving your brothers and sisters today. 
in our lives. Love people. Use things. Don't use things. Uh, don't love things and use people. Because that is what the world operates by. The world loves things and then they use one another. Right? They use you to make money for them. Right? <laughs> That's what it is. But in the church, in the Christian community, we love people. And if need be, we use things to love people. May God help us obey His command. His command to love one another and not to love this world. I give us some time to pray as the worship team comes up to lead us in the closing song. Perhaps as you were listening to the sermon, someone came to mind. Someone difficult to love came to mind. Don't get angry. Say a prayer for that person. Just say a simple prayer for that person. That's the least you can do for the other person. And actually, that's the best thing you can do for the other person. Because as you pray, the Holy Spirit will hear your prayer and work in the other person's heart. Perhaps you need to be more lovable. Ask God to help you. Father God, we come before you confessing that we are so unlovable. Yet you took the initiative to love us. Lord, in our lives, there are people whom we find difficult to love. Lord, we want to obey your command. We want to love them. So Lord, we pray for your grace to help us to love them. To make opportunities for us to love them. And Lord, help us to be lovable too. That as we become more and more Christ-like, others will find it easier to love us. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.